Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. We chase after desire. God gives desire. That's why the Bible declares that he will give you the desires of your heart. These are God desires that he places in you. All right. Now the devil can also counterfeit desires. He can't create them, but he can counterfeit them. And he also can unearth or dig out desires that are in you that you didn't even know that you had because we will run after desire. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Well, today, everybody, we're going to continue uh, in a message that we began a few weeks ago. And uh, that message was entitled, Strange Voices. Strange Voices. Now, the last, on last week, we spoke from the subject of, the Lord spoke from the subject of, I believe, uh, do you like me? Do you like me? And if you were not able to hear that, make sure you do, because it also flows with the same theme of understanding and being prepared for end times. Do you like me prepares you for emotional attacks, for emotional attacks. The Lord's positioning you to get ready for emotional attacks, all right? When they don't like you, when they hate you, when you are harassed, you need to know how to deal with it and know that it is coming. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, we want to go back to um, the first part of that. And speaking from last time again, um, strange voices. But we want to, if the Lord wills, want to speak from the subject of kiss the ring. Kiss the ring. And I pray we'll get to that today. Kiss the ring. And you'll understand that. So we said the last time we were together that the Lord will begin to show you some of the tactics of the enemy in the end times. And remember, it is up to you to realize that you are on a battlefield. Every day, you're going to have to pray to get, keep the, uh, the holy armor on, to put that armor on. You don't want to go out without your armor. You don't want to go out unless you are prayed up. There are a lot of natural bullets. The natural uh, is simply showing you shadows of what's happening in the spirit. There are bullets flying. There are people are attacking one another in the natural but that's not even the tip of what's actually happening in the spirit realm. The enemy is not trying to hurt you. He's trying to kill you. So you have to be aware of what's going on. You have to be aware. The battle is definitely in the spirit realm. The battle is in the spirit. And you cannot afford not to be equipped. You must hear from the spirit of God so that you will know how to act and how to maneuver. I remember one time um, when my children were in school, I think my son was in elementary school and uh, my daughter was in high school, and it was time for me to take them to school, and it was very cold that morning. And it was just a little bit of um, flakes coming down, just, just a little bit here and there. We thought this stuff is not going to stick or whatever. So we went on. The school had not called or, or said no school today and all that. So we got up and went on. But as I did that, 
As I got dressed, the Holy Spirit began to deal with me. No, no, I think you need to hold back today. And so I think that we got up and I got in the car. I think we drove, but then I turned right back around and came on back home. I felt the Lord saying, no, no, stay home today. And not too long after that, the school called. Please come and pick up your children. School will be closing. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. He will tell you. He will lead you. He will guide you if you let him do that. It's all about hearing his voice. Last time we were in Matthew 24, Matthew 24, and we looked at, again, some of the end times, and I'm going to show you a little bit about this. Matthew 24, and verse number one says, And Jesus went out and departed uh, from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Verse 3, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Here are two markers, the Lord says here. Number one, verse number four, and Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. Verse five, for many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Remember the word deceive means to lead astray, lead out of the right way into the wrong way. One of the marks of the last days of the end of the world, of the return of the Lord as a massive, massive sense of deception, massive deception, where people are being led astray. We went over there to John the 10th chapter, John 10, and Lord began to tell us in John 10 that he is in fact the good shepherd and that he leads his people out by his voice. As a matter of fact, matter of fact, let's go ahead and look at John 10. And uh, verse number three, we'll start there, John 10, verse three. It says, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse four, and when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Verse five, and a stranger they will not follow, but will flee, Why? Well, flee from them. Why? For they know not the voice of strangers. Again, in the last days, there will be strange voices. And these strange voices will have one purpose, to lead you away from Christ, lead you away from the right way. Strange voices. So now let's talk about the tactics of the enemy in these last days. You really need to hear this. Now, notice the tactic of the enemy. We're going to go to Matthew, the fourth chapter, Matthew 4. And as we get into this, you've seen this. Some of you have read this scripture quite a while. You've heard it preached for quite a while. You say, I've done this. I've been here. I've done that. Got the T-shirt, got the hat, got the jumpsuit, got the tennis shoes. I know all about Matthew 4. First of all, take the pride out of your head. 
The word of God is like an onion. There are several layers, peel and peel and peel and peel. And just when you think you know it all, slap yourself because you don't. Are you hearing? God always reveals more and more. Revelation is progressive. More and more. One layer is built on the next, built on the next, built on the next. And I guarantee you, if after we have gone through an eternity with the Lord, you will still not know it all. So never be that proud or presumptuous to think that you know anything. I'll be the first to say it, Denise. I don't know anything. The stuff I think I know, I need God to help me uh, to interpret and to do it. The more you know, the more you realize how ignorant you are. Are you hearing? Amen. Only the fool says, I know it all. Tell your neighbor, don't be, no, we're going to keep going. In Matthew 4, we're talking about, talk about the temptation of Jesus and what happens here because these, the devil doesn't do anything new. It's all the same thing. But there is wisdom that we need to extract here because this is the enemy's playbook in these last days. The devil's tactics are manifested today through social pressures or, or societal pressures and um, tempting inner voices. Pressures put on you to do and to act certain ways and inner voices that will crop up on the inside. Now you'll see here that in order for a temptation to be valid, you must have two things, at least two things. One, there must be a desire. In order for a temptation to be valid, you must have two things. One, there must be desire. You can't tempt me with eggs, a pot of eggs. Why? Because I have no desire for a pot of eggs. Some of you know that. So it's not a temptation to me. Mmm, smell it. I don't want your eggs. It's not a temptation to me. One, there must be desire. And two, there must be the ability to carry it out. Because every temptation promises you something. You must have the ability to carry it out, right? So if you tempting me, I know you're, you're trying to, you wrote, me, you, you wrote a check to me for $10 million. You wrote a check to me for $10 million. And you say, I will give you this if you do that. First of all, we both know you don't have $10 million in your bank account, <laughs> in your earthly bank account. So I know that you don't have the ability to do this, to make good on your promise. So it's not a temptation. In order to be a valid temptation, you must have two things. Desire, you must want it, something in you must want it. And two, you must have the ability, the person promising or tempting must have the ability to carry it out. Or else it's not a temptation. You can't tempt me with chocolate cake. And now you say, I'm going to make you a chocolate cake if you do this and that and the other. When I first of all know you don't have a cake, right? And I know you don't even know how to make a cake. You got me? So let's look at this. Let's look at this. 
Now, let me say this too. The enemy is an expert, a master at counterfeiting desire. Counterfeiting desire. He can't create a desire in you, but he can counterfeit a desire. Now listen, God gives us desire so that we may fulfill his will. He gives you a desire for a ministry or a desire for a new home, a desire for work, a desire to go overseas. There is a desire. Whatever God gives you, he, when he places it in your heart many times in a time of prayer or maybe driving down the road, he places that in you so that you would then pray it forth so that you begin to ask for it, to manifest it in the earth. God's desire places in your, it's coming in your heart like a seed. He places his desire seed in you. And then you'll, wow, I want to do that. I want to have that. And then we pray in line with it until it's manifested. All right? We chase after desire. God gives desire. That's why the Bible declares that he will give you the desires of your heart. These are God desires that he places in you. All right? Now, the devil can also counterfeit desires. He can't create them but he can counterfeit them. And he also can unearth or dig out desires that are in you that you didn't even know that you had. Because we will run after desire. You will run after desire. There's a young man here that saw a young lady in church. He said, man, that's a good looking woman there. Not too long after that, they got married. She agreed with him. Hallelujah. Anyway, he ran after his desire. He pursued. Now he's not. He's, okay, let's go on. Let's go to Matthew 4th chapter. Understanding these things, understanding what temptation is and the two elements that you must have. One, you must have desire and you must have the ability to produce the thing that you're promising. Let's look at uh, verse number four. Uh, then Jesus led up, of the, led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, the question is, why, why is Jesus going into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil? Now, he's doing this. God is allowing this because Jesus is about to undergo or about to enter into public ministry. And I know some of you have taken long road trips. Before you take a long road trip, don't you want to have your car serviced? You want to have it tested. Are the tires good? Is the oil good? And all the stuff, you want to have it tested before you send it out. In the truest sense, temptation is testing. Testing the strength or the fidelity of something before you put weight on it. So before the Lord Jesus goes into public ministry, before he carries the weight of the Spirit, remember after this, he's going to come out in the power of the Spirit. So before he is allowed to carry the full power of the spirit, the weight of the spirit upon him for public ministry, he has to be first tested. So all of this is in an effort to survey the amount of strength that he actually has. It's the same thing with you. Before God places weight of anointing over your life, on your life, you will always be tested. Always be tested. Verse four, I mean, verse one said again, then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. 
Verse 2, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, it is written, thou shalt not, rather, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, I want you to understand this first tactic of the enemy. The very first thing the devil goes after is Jesus's identity. If you are who you claim to be, if you are who you claim to be. Now, again, these are old tactics that he's using now. If you are who you claim to be, if you don't know who you are in Christ, you will be led away. If you are who you claim to be, if you are the son of God, and then he goes back to the oldest trick in the book. Remember this whole thing with Adam and Eve in the beginning started by eating. And so he comes up to the last Adam with the same old thing. Eat this. Eat this. Trying to bring on the same old thing. Remember, there's nothing new. So first of all, he attacks Jesus's identity. Who are you? Who are you? Are you secure in your knowledge of, that you are a child of God, that you are redeemed, regardless of what happens around you, regardless of what you do. Are you secure in that knowledge that you are a child of God? Or are your works still trying to provide, or rather, let me say it this way, or is your identity still being propped up by your works? If you still think that your right standing in God is based on how much sin you don't do or or your right standing in God is still based on how much good you do, you're still propped up and those legs will crumble under the weight. Your identity must be found in the word of God alone because he said it. It must be found in the blood of Jesus. You are who he says you are. I like what Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Your identity cannot be propped up on you or on society, or even what people say about you. Who are you? If you are a son of God, if you are a child of God, then he says this, command that these stones be made bread. All right, now, first of all, realize that Jesus' hunger here is a legitimate need. Hunger or desire is a legitimate need. Everybody has hunger. Everybody has a desire. Now, this was a legitimate. There was nothing wrong with Jesus being hungry. But the devil was saying to him, fulfill your desire out of season. It was not time for Jesus to eat. The whole fast was not fully completed. It wasn't fully completed until the angels would come and minister unto him. And then he would go out in the power of the spirit. It's not over until the messengers come. The messengers come bringing a word. They come bringing strength. They come letting you know that this is over. It has reached its conclusion. The devil saying, let me help you meet this legitimate need out of season. Meeting a need out of season. Meeting a need out of season. You know, that's what fornication is. Sex out of marriage. 
meeting a need out of season. There are so many things. So the enemy says simply, oh, you've got an itch. Let me scratch it. And the moment you take his back scratcher, you can have all kind of scars on you. And it's going to take a while for you to get that off of you. Are you hearing? So the enemy says, you've got an itch. Let me scratch it. Now, understand something. Jesus practiced delayed gratification. Delayed gratification because he knew something greater was ahead of him. You're going to get through this temptation, and this temptation is all about your flesh, by the way. You resisting your flesh because hunger is one of the greatest, can be one of the greatest pulls on you. You eating, you understand eating keeps you here and alive on this planet. You stop eating, guarantee you, you're going to float up out your body. Stop eating anything, period. You will die. Hunger is a core desire. A hunger is a core need. There are some core needs that you have in your life, even emotional needs. All the devil says, I see that. And I'm the Lord. The enemy said, I want to help you fulfill that. But out of season. This was a prescribed pressure moment. God ordained this time as a prescribed moment to keep Jesus in a certain area that his strength would be ascertained. Hear me. This this was a prescribed pressure moment, but the enemy wanted to, um, he was his first attack, of course. Now all the attacks, there are three attacks and they will all amp up in power and in strength as we go on. The first one has to do with identity and your flesh. If we can't get through the flesh or identity, you will lose your power at the end of this. Remember, Jesus came out of the wilderness in the power of the spirit, simply able to do what God had called him to do. Now, you and I will never be able to resist the same way Jesus did. Not in your own flesh. That's why we must lean on him for his strength. You were never meant to do this alone. Jesus came out in the power of the spirit so that eventually he may leave his spirit with us so that you through the Holy Spirit will be able to stand through these temptations, stand through the trial. The first temptation has to do with your flesh, with your identity and your flesh, your ability to tell no to you, your ability to tell you no when you really want it. First of all, let your identity be found in the word of God alone, not propped up on works, not propped up on what people say about you in Christ alone. Remember, the Bible declares that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Don't try to, and here's another thing too. You say the devil's tempting me. Well, we know it can be a devil, but I doubt if the devil, Satan himself, is tempting you. Have you gotten up to that level yet? There's only one Satan, only one devil. You know, there are other little devils or little demons. But to get to this level, I mean, how many days can you fast, first of all? 
You gonna fast 40 days and 40 nights? And are you hearing what I'm saying to you? But there is one that is a challenge for you. And you need the spirit of God to overcome that. All right, so let's look at verse number five now. Now the devil's about to up his game. Verse number five says, Then the devil taketh him up into the, into the holy city and sitteth him on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge uh, concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Verse 7, Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now notice something in verse number 5. Then the devil taketh him up. Now where was Jesus? He was in the wilderness. So obviously there was some supernatural uh, teleportation going on here, right? either taking him up physically or taking him up spiritually. But whatever it was, the devil was able to change his environment to change what Jesus saw. He pulled him to that place. Now, let's say for a moment that this was a physical place, that some sort of um, transportation or, or, or some sort of, um, you know, some way he was able to get the Lord from here to that place. And Jesus was there. The Bible says that he, the devil set him, set him or sitteth him upon the temple, upon the uh, pinnacle of the temple. Now, the word setteth there means to position. The devil positioned him at the pinnacle or at the highest point of the temple. Now, that's talking about his profession. You now have, the devil gave you the highest position in your field. You're at the top of your game now. Now watch out when the devil sets you in authority. You're going to have a terrible time. The devil takes Jesus and sets him at the height, the pinnacle of the temple, his temple. And so Jesus is there sitting at the pinnacle of the temple, and the devil says something. He says, cast yourself down. In other words, commit yourself. Commit yourself to an action. You're at the top of your field now, so commit. Now, if, if, anyone, if, if anybody here has ever jumped off of something, you realize that once your feet leave the ground and you're in midair, you are committed. There's no going back. You are committed to this action. So the devil's telling him, commit to this action of really supposed suicide. Jump off. Commit to this. You're in authority now. You're at the top of your field. Jump off. God's got you. He's got your back. Remember, he gets you, he, he'll have his angels to, to watch over you. They'll, he'll give him charge. In other words, you'll be able to recover from this. Do something stupid. And this is what's called the peril of power. Now that you're in authority, you begin to do stupid stuff. Immorality, uh, immorality sometimes follows those in leadership. You're at the top now. Everybody sees you. You're on the top. And you feel like you have so much power that you can commit to dumb things. 
The devil deals with Jesus in this area of pride. But first he dealt with the flesh. Now he's dealing with pride. He says, I put you here. Now, everybody sees you at the top of your field. Now, begin to do something stupid. Now, the enemy also takes the word of God out of context, right? Because the psalm, this is from Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is a protective psalm. It is written in some, uh, written as protection, as God protecting his people in very turbulent times. But the devil takes that out of context and says, you know, God's going to protect you. He's going to send his angels. But was Jesus in danger? Was this a very perilous time? So that does not apply to this. But what the devil used this is a, he used that verse as a bailout plan. God will bail you out when you make a stupid decision. Just jump on off. Go ahead and commit to that relationship. Go ahead and commit to that job. He got you. Go ahead and sign that contract. He got you. God got you. Go ahead. Make it happen. Make it rain. You're in control. Now, understand something. He said again, this was the second time that he said, if you be the son of God. If you be the son of God, the second time, again, will you buckle? Is your identity in Christ based on what you do or haven't done? Or is it based on what other people have said about you? You're such a good person. You're such a this or you're such a that. Oh, I go to church every week. Is that how you know you are a child of God based on what you do or what you've done or what people have said about you? When the weight comes, those legs will crush, will crack. The weight of that will crack. You have to be sure of who you are based on what Jesus has said about you. Are you hearing me? Let's move on a little bit further now. Now, let's go to verse number eight, as we're almost finished today. Verse eight says, again, again, the devil taketh him up. One, he took him up to the height of the temple, height of his profession. Now he's taking him up where? To an exceeding high mountain. Let's take you up even higher now. I couldn't get you there. Well, let me take you up here. Remember, every temptation ramps up higher and higher. So this is the third and final temptation. So it is the enemy's strongest press, the strongest push. Won't you see this? Again, the devil taking him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now, we're going to talk about the word worship in just a moment. But notice what he said here. He said, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. If we look that same verse up in uh, the book of Luke, Luke 4. I love the way Luke uh, brings this account. Luke 4, verses 5 through 7, it says this. And the devil taking them up into a and high mountain showed him showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power I, I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whosoever I will, I give it. Verse 7, if thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Now, as we said before, 
a true temptation has to have two elements. One, it has to be a desire. Second, there has to be the ability to fulfill that desire. If I, you can't, tempt me, you can't uh, tempt me with chocolate cake when I know you don't have it. And I know you don't even know how to bake it. Now, Shekinah can bake a cake. Tamaric, a lot of y'all can bake cakes up in here, but you ain't tempting me. Okay, I'll eat it after service if you, you, if you, mean, you mean. That was pretty easy, wasn't it, Ralph? So, the first temptation, was Jesus actually able to make the stones, make those stones bread? Sure he could have. Sure he could have, right? He multiplied fish and loaves, so forth and so on. Second temptation, was Jesus, if he did in fact jump off of that ledge, do you think that the father was able, the angels were able to deliver him? Surely they were. Surely they were. But again, getting answers out of season is always deadly. Now this final temptation here. The devil says, I'm going to give you all of this. In order for this to be a temptation, there has to be a desire and it has to be the ability to fulfill that desire, right? Has to be has to be a desire and how to fulfill it. Now, so this is a full full pressure temptation, I call it, full press temptation. Because the enemy is tempting Jesus now with power, pleasure, and riches. Now, the devil's telling Jesus simply, I'll make you a one-world ruler. You'll be the ruler of the world. Is there a desire in Christ? Sure it is. That's what the Father made him. He's, Christ is the one God, right? He is the one king, king of kings and lord of lords. He is that. Surely he desires to be who he is. But not that way. Why would Christ forfeit his destiny to rule a dunghill? When the splendor of heaven is about to be revealed in all the earth, yes, sir. the devil shows him a big pile of poop and says, I'll make you rule over all of this. But the desire to be ruler is in him. Now, can the devil fulfill it? Can the devil actually give him authority? The Bible says here that all this was delivered unto me. Delivered, how did he get it from Adam and Eve? The uh, influence from Adam and Eve. Because understand, when Adam and Eve sinned, remember, first of all, that God gave Adam and Eve dominion over all the earth. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they became the servants of sin. Well, who was controlling the sin? The devil was controlling the sin. And when you are a servant and something, is, something else is your master, everything the servant owns, the master owns. So there was a transfer of authority. And the devil picked it up by reason of mankind being servant to him, serving to him by sin. So the devil says, Adam and Eve followed me, and they fell to my mess, and I picked up the authority that they had. Now, let's look on. So does the devil have the ability to fulfill this promise? Let's go to Ephesians, the second chapter, Ephesians 2.2. Ephesians 2.2 says, Herein, in times, rather, wherein in times past you, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh, say worketh, worketh. say worketh. worketh. So this prince of the power of the air, the devil, 
That's the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now, the word worketh is the Greek word uh, energeo, energeo. Now, I want you to understand this because you and I want God to energeo us. Now, energeo means to display one's activity. You want God to simply work through you. You want God to show his activity through you. But now here's the devil. He says that the Bible says that the devil now works or energeo through the children of disobedience. He is working through them. He's fulfilling his plans through them. So the enemy is controlling men because he has the ability to work through them normally by using their desires, their cravings. He's able to work through them. The prince of the power of the air. That's one reason, I mean, Matrix, the first one anyway, really sort of tapped into the spiritual principle. If you're not born again, you're still tied into the system. And the enemy's able to move in and out of people. He's able to control them and maneuver them because they have not been loosed from the system. Jesus looses you from the system. Are you hearing? So Inergeo talks about being uh, someone else operating through you, like a puppet master with a puppet, moving it back and forth. The devil is able to work through people. Now, if he's able to get to the president of the company and intergeo him, work through the president of the company, he owns the company. If he's able to do that through the company, he's able to do that through a nation, through a kingdom, through a neighborhood. If he can work. Now, the Bible says that the, these people are disobedient. How do we know they're disobedient? Simply because they have rejected Christ. The Lord calls us obedient when we receive Christ. So these people have rejected Christ. That is the flaw. That is the disobedience. And so the enemy is able to come in and intergale them, begin to work his will through them. So if he controls the one at the top, he controls everything in it. Are you hearing? Let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians as we're almost finished. 2 Corinthians 4. Y'all stay with me. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4 says, in whom the God of this world. Now, the word world there is aeon, which means period of time. Whom God, the, yeah, one more time. Uh, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The Bible calls the devil, the God of this world, the godless world system. The devil does not own the planet. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But he does hold the lease of the planet. If you have a house and you have people renting your house, you own the house. But what goes on inside the house, you've given that authority over to the person who is renting it. God gave the authority of the earth to man. He he maintained uh, the ownership of the earth. But what happens on the earth, he gave that to man and man gave it to the devil. And now because of Christ, we can take the authority of Christ being removed from the system, being out of disobedience. We can now take things back over and enforce the will of heaven. Are you with me? 
Let's go to 1 John, 1 John 5, 19. Hang with me a little bit longer, y'all. Hang with me. 1 John 5, 19 says this. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Bible, and it says it this way. We know positively that we are of God, and the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. How is that possible? Because of the transfer that happened way back in the Garden of Eden. The lease to the planet, the system, was handed over to the devil. And so we often say, God's in control. He's got it. God's in control. He's got it. God's in control. God's in control. Well, he gave control over the man, and man gave that control over to the devil. And now the father has almost bound himself or has bound himself to his own word because this now let's go back to the whole house situation you got people living in your house they've leased your house you still own the house and there are things going on in the house that you want to correct but you can't go in and correct the things in the house unless you are invited in the house if you go in that person's house and you say, I'm going to fix stuff in here. Wait, wait. They have authority to be there. Why can't they call the police on you? Because you, now you're in their stuff. You have no authority to go into their house because you legally gave them the lease. So when the father comes in to do things in the earth, he does it through the prayers of the righteous through the prayers of the righteous as we call him in because we're the ones that are here. We're the ones he's given authority to. And we call him, we call his will to come to pass in the earth in this rental place. Now soon when the Lord Jesus returns and he begins his millennial reign, he's going to cancel the devil's lease. You got to be out of here now. You get out of here. And the whole planet will be under the authority of that one world ruler, Jesus Christ. And it will be heaven on earth. Are you hearing? So let's go back to Matthew 4th chapter to wrap up. So Jesus knew the devil could deliver on his promise. He could easily make Jesus or set Jesus in authority as a one world ruler. Because the world rulers were crooked. But why would Jesus want to be the ruler of a dung heap? Are you hearing? Verse number eight says, again, I want you to see this. Uh, verse number, uh, again, Matthew 4, verse 8 says, Again, the devil taking them up into an exceeding high mountain and show him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto them, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Can you see the devil giving it to Jesus? I'll give it to you. I have influence in all these major companies. I can give it to you. I can make you my one world ruler. He says, but what, what, what does Jesus have to do? Fall down and worship him. Now, the word worship here, and this is our last point of the day. You need to get this. The word worship here in the Greek is proskuneo, pros, or the proskuneo. And proskuneo means to kiss the hand toward one in token of reverence. The devil said to him, bend down, bow down, and simply kiss my hand, kiss my ring." Honor me, reverence me, and I'll give you all of this. Kiss the ring. 
kiss the ring. That's what the devil's telling Jesus. Bend down and submit to my authority. Kiss my ring. And I'll give it all to you. Proskuneo also means, especially uh, among the Orient, among the, uh, especially there in Palestine, it means to fall upon the knees and touch the ground with the forehead as an expression of profound reverence. Put your head to the ground, Jesus. And I'll give you all of this. In the New Testament, uh, by kneeling or prostration, it means uh, to pay homage to, to make obeisance to, whether in order to express respect or to make supplication. Now, Jesus displays the mindset of an overcomer, of a sober overcomer. God is the only one deserving worship. He's the only one worthy of proskineo. Kiss my ring, son. Yes, Lord. I'll kiss your ring so much, my spit going to be all over your ring, Jesus. But understand what the devil wanted Jesus to do. Fall down. Kiss it. And I'll give you all of this. And that, of course, is the final tactic of the enemy. I will give you everything. I'll give you power. I will give you pleasure. I will give you riches. Just let me corrupt you. Just let me work through you. I'll give you everything your heart desires. I've got it all. I'm willing to give it to you if you just kiss my ring. Just kiss my ring. And so as we close, idolatry is rampant in our culture today. There's so many other gods, so many opportunities for us to kiss the ring of the enemy. But you have to decide that there is no other God that I will serve, that you'll have no other gods before him. Not money, not pleasure, not drugs, not sex, not anything. Nothing is to be before him. You have to decide beforehand that you will not kiss the ring of the devil. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this moment. Lord, we pray by your spirit that we would, that your spirit, by your spirit, that your spirit would feed us, that your spirit would comfort us, that your spirit would equip us and strengthen us not to kiss the ring of the enemy that we will be prepared to endure the temptations that the devil throws our way, knowing that we are secure in you first and foremost, that you give us the strength to resist the enemy on every side and on every occasion. We thank you, Lord, that even in our weakness, even though we falter, even though we fall, we have not fallen away, for you are able to keep us from falling away. So we trust our salvation to you and we trust that when the tempter comes by the power of your spirit, we shall not only resist, but see him run in panic and in fear. We will say, as our Lord says, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee hence. Lord, we'll see the devil run in fear and in terror and in horror. 
knowing that it is you that saves us and delivers us and makes us whole. We give you praise today, Father, and we thank you for the immediate victory on every side. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now let's give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Now there's one more thing I want to do. I want to pray over you because I know that this is extremely real. Remember the devil, his intent is to keep you from the time of your anointing. His intent is to keep you from the time of your anointing, from the time of your revealing. After this temptation time in the wilderness, Jesus is about to have his time of revealing, his time of power. Same thing with David, remember? He had to go out and fight Goliath. The Goliath was there to stop David and to stop the others from their time of revealing. The enemy always tries to stop you from your time of revealing, from your time in the sun, from your destiny. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.